Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WRSU Crew Wednesday edition. We've got a full house for actually the first time this semester. The Wednesday Crew here with you. I'm Eddie Kalegi, Gideon Fox, Jack Basaya, Dylan Allen, all here. A lot to get to. We're going to talk about LeBron James breaking the scoring record later. Jack has is repping the LeBron High School Uni, so we'll get to that. But, of course, we have to start with Rutgers men's basketball, the Scarlet Knights, for the first time since March of 2019, came up short against the Indiana Hoosiers, a game where Rutgers was down big early, were able to battle back at times, but the absence of Mawat Mag rained heavy, and the Scarlet Knights ended up losing 66-60 to to the number 18 Indiana Hoosiers at Assembly Hall. I'm going to turn it first to Gideon D.A. They were there in Bloomington for this one. Giddy, I'll go to you first. You know, this is a tough loss for Rutgers. At the same time, though, they have built themselves up quite the resume already, and it was already known this was going to be a tough game, and it got that much tougher with the news that Mawat Mag, the torn ACL, done for the season, but Caleb McConnell, Paul Mulcahy, the veterans, really struggled for the Scarlet Knights in this one. Yeah, it was really tough to see the offensive output from both Caleb McConnell and Paul Mulcahy. They combined for four points each. Caleb McConnell missed a wide-open three from the top of the key that would have tied the game late in the second half. The biggest thing for Rutgers was their lack of offensive output altogether. I mean, they put up, they, they held Indiana to just one point above Steve Peichel's 65-point speed limit. So they had 60, they let up 66 points, which is pretty, it's pretty good when you're going to Assembly Hall and playing the number 18 team in the country, which is loaded with three-point talent and Trey Jackson Davis, who dominates inside. But overall on offense, there was not much coming from anybody at all. Cliff Amore looked slow on offense. He was putting up hook shots, not able to drive to the basket. Cam Spencer didn't take as many threes as he has in the past. He connected a couple of times, but he wasn't one of these these big shooting performances like we've seen from him in the past. I think the biggest thing for Rutgers was the inconsistent play uh, throughout the game. Their defense was not there in the first half. Their offense wasn't there in the first half either. And then everything in the second half kind of came together a little bit better, but they can't go into games and play a pretty awful 20 minutes and then expect to come back. I mean, they were able to pull things back into the second. They tied the game, and they surrendered that tie uh, right after that. But they they did not play consistent. The first half was very, very slow for the Scarlet Knights. And I think had this loss come to any other team in the Big Ten, say it was number 18 Michigan and, and Rutgers went up to Ann Arbor and lost against Michigan, I don't think this loss would hurt as much. It's the fact that it's Indiana. Rutgers had won their previous six matchups. That includes matchups in Indianapolis, Bloomington, and Piscataway, including a domination earlier in the year at Jersey Mike's Arena. So I think it just stings a little bit more that it's Indiana. Yeah, and we talked about this on Nightline last night. It was inevitable that Rutgers was eventually going to lose to Indiana. This is the best Hoosiers team they faced during this four-year stretch. Indiana has not lived up to the necessary hopes, necessarily the hopes that came into the beginning of the season, but things are starting to come together. A lot of that is because of injuries. They're still without Xavier Johnson, but Jalen Hood, Shafino was out there. Miller Kopp had a big game, and of course, Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Dylan, you called into Nightline last night, you and Giddy from the car, and uh, one of the things you mentioned was Cliff's struggles, and TJD was dominant, 20 points, 18 rebounds, got to 2,000 career points, and Cliff was kind of silenced. He was playing a lot away from the basket, which was weird without 
Mawat Mag in there, and he was only able to get four rebounds. Yeah, and you know, Trey Jackson Davis had more offensive rebounds than Amori did the whole game. Uh, Jackson Davis had six offensive boards. Amori only had four to finish out the game. And I mentioned on that call that it had to do with a little bit with Mawat Mag not being in there because they relied on him to get you seven, eight boards a game. Um, but it, do- it still doesn't excuse the fact that your 6'11 center, who's about the same weight as Trace Jackson Davis, shouldn't be able to get in there and get rebounds for you. And I think it, it also has to do with Amori's hands. A lot of times when he goes up for rebounds and tries to come down with it, teams swipe at it, and he is very. it's, it's very easy to knock it loose from him. And that's one of the knocks on both the rebounding end and when he's going up for a, a shot or... Um, possibly catching the ball, jump, like uh, landing, and then going back up. A lot of teams strip the ball loose, and you see it happen time and time again. If it's not a perfect pass, um, Amori gets stripped of that. Um, so on the rebound side, yeah, he, he was totally dominated last night, um, and you can see that Mawat Mag not being there hurt the team in general, not just Amori, hurt the team in general in rebounding. They were out-rebounded by four. Um, and it's very unlike Rutgers to see... Um, Despite how good of their, despite how good Jackson Davis is, it's it's very rare when you see a Rutgers team give up 18 rebounds to one player. Uh, a lot of the time, you see that kind of spread out, um, and so this was kind of an uncharacteristic performance from Rutgers. And to their credit, they only had a couple of days to prepare without Mawat Mag, and so we'll see how they look against Illinois with a little bit more time to prepare. Um, but on the flip side, Illinois, their game got postponed against Minnesota this week, and so that's even more time for them to prepare for us. Um, the thing that stood out to me, though, as well, was Caleb McConnell, and I talked about this as well, having the self-awareness to just not chuck up so many shots, especially down the stretch where he had a shot that he definitely forced with still half the possession to go um, on a fast break. I mean, he finished the game with two points, one for 12 shooting, and 0 for 4 from 3. Um, you know, I said it, I'll say it again, McConnell is an awesome player for us, um, but he's not he's not this offensive dynamic player that can go down and just start shooting the ball at will. He has a couple of games like that in his career, Notre Dame, in the first four round, stands out. But other than that, he's not a guy that's going to go down there and get you 20 points and electric shooting. And the fact that he shot 12 times and continued to shoot and continued to miss, even like early on, I could tell he was missing open shots from the paint. No one was there, and he was rimming them around. Um, I knew right then and there McConnell didn't have it. And, you know, you would think, you would hope at least a fifth-year guy would have some self-awareness to not take as many shots as he did. You know, I'm all for the mindset of if, if you got a good player, just let him put shots up, like kind of we've seen with, with Cam Spencer when he was in, during his shooting um, woes. But, you know, McConnell, fifth-year guy, especially on that one possession that I highlighted, you know, kind of let the team down there where you can't just start taking shots if you're not going to hit them. Kind of play, not your role, but in a sense realize you're not shooting well tonight, just get rebounds, play defense, and that's pretty much your make as a player. Um, so Amori rebounding and McConnell, those were the two things that really stood out to me um, from last night's game. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, Mag's presence not being there affected a lot of things. Defensively, of course, he was kind of that Roman guy whenever the Rutgers pressed all season that would bring the double teams. We know what he's done offensively. Five games before he got hurt, he was averaging double figures. And you you referenced it last night, the rebounding as well, how he can be a difference there. But Moat Mag being not being on the court shouldn't really affect the decision making necessarily. And we kind of saw that Paul Mulcahy, he really struggled at times. And of course, Caleb McConnell, one for 12. Uh, Steve Peichel spoke last night about the first game without Moat Mag and its impact as Rutgers fell to Indiana. Uh, here's what Pike had to say about it. 
obviously only had a couple of days now to, you know, figure things out without Mawad. He's been a huge part of what we've been trying to do. I feel awful for him. Um, the guys love him too. Um, he certainly would have helped us on the backboards today with, with our defense, but um, we have to make adjustments and, you know, haven't had a lot of time to work on some of the things, you know, without him. So uh, we have to spend a little time here in the next couple of weeks, you know, getting life adjusted. I did think Oscar came in and gave us some great minutes. And, um, you know, Derek and, and that bench is going to be important, you know, to us moving forward now that we moved Andre into the starting lineup. Yeah, and... Steve Peichel made an interesting point. Oscar Palmquist played well in the first half. Rutgers actually shot the ball from three surprisingly well in the first half, but then the offense started to fizzle out. Uh, Jack, looking at the Scarlet Knights going forwards here, they have this tough game against Illinois. Then they have an easier schedule to finish out Big Ten play. But as was referenced there, there's going to be a lot of experimentation that's going to have to go through here as they kind of figure out who's going to take on Mawat Mag's role really on both sides of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And just touching on the game from last night, it was a really odd game looking back at it, especially with the stat lines that you saw. Because if you walked into last night and you said, Cam Spencer's going to give you 14 points, Oscar Palmquist is going to give you nine points on 75% shooting from three, and Cliff Amore's going to give you 15 Andre Hyatt's going to give you nine. Derek Simpson's going to give you seven. Like, you're saying, okay, like, <laughs> we got a great shot to win this. Like, and it just didn't it didn't materialize, and I don't want to pit it on just two players because basketball is not just two players. But in reality, those two guys, Caleb McConnell and Paul Mulcahy, did not play to the level that we're accustomed to. And you could say that if they played to the level that we're accustomed to, especially in the offensive end, they we probably win this game. Um, I'm, I'm keeping it to the offensive end because I thought Caleb McConnell did a stellar job on Jalen hood Shafino, who has been lighting up the Big Ten so far this year, and he held him to 2 for 9 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3, 7 points. So I'm keeping it on the offensive end. And for Paul, I thought Indiana's defense defensive strategy was really interesting. They made Paul work every time he came up the court. I think he got fouled, maybe not fouled. He got stripped about two or three times, and that was just because of unrelenting ball pressure. And whoever Indiana put on him, like from possession to possession, just did not let him get comfortable in the half court. And I think Paul's gotten used to kind of bringing up the ball and then being able to get to his spots. Indiana didn't let him get to his spots. I thought that was, I thought that was a strategy that jumped out at me, and I think that kind of threw Paul off his game. And definitely did because he scored two points, only took four shots, didn't take a three. And in turn, it turned off maybe Caleb McConnell uh, from having a, you know, game that's not one for 12 from the field. Because as you said, Dia, he's not the most lethal offensive weapon, but he's also not a guy who's turning out one for 12 shot, one for 12 shooting every single night. So it was it was a game. It was a game where you needed the last piece of the puzzle was your two biggest guys on offense, two biggest wing guys on offense and uh, unfortunately, we didn't get it done. Looking forward, though, um, I think I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation with the lineups. I think Andre Hyatt will definitely stay in that starting starting four spot. I think that's pretty clear. When Peichel gets his starting lineup, it's pretty much set in stone. We saw it last year. Like He, he ran with uh, Paul, Caleb, Gio, Ron, and Cliff the entire way through. So once he gets that starting lineup, which I think will be Hyatt, uh, he's going to stay pretty intact with that. It's it's the lineups outside of that. It's are you going to play Oscar Palmquist and Derek Simpson on the same at the same time? You know, a freshman and a guy who is 
able to get shoot shoot from three pretty well, but everything else is gonna be able to step up. Is it are you gonna play two freshmen in Derek Simpson and uh Antoine Wolfolk at the same time against, you know, on the road in a Big Ten environment or late in the season? Are you gonna put Dean Reber on the floor? I thought Dean Reber was pretty good yes yesterday, even though he only played six minutes. It's just that experimentation. Are you gonna play Jalen Miller at all? I mean, I have my opinions on him as a basketball player, but you know you have to make that decision. It's all those things that factor into it, and you know you might say, okay, Mwat Mag is just one player, but that throws off everything for a team, especially at this level. Yeah, and you brought up Jalen Miller, and uh, what stands out to me is the foul the, the, close to the end of the first half. He fouls, I forget who it was, but on a three, I think it was Tamar Bates, it was Bates, yeah. Ray Bates, who's a ninety-five percent free throw shooter. Um, and probably one of their better three-point shooters, and you foul him, and he misses the shot, and you didn't let the guy land, and now he shoots three free throws to close out the first half, and he knocks all three down. Um, you know, And you look at the final score, it's a six-point game between McConnell and Mokehi not playing up the standard, and then just sloppy fouls like that um, and not being able to rebound. I mean, it was just... It almost seemed like Rutgers beat themselves in a sense, just McConnell taking um, not the greatest shots, Jalen Miller sloppy fouls, Rutgers not rebounding, um, you know... It's the little things that come down to why they lost this one. Um, and even Pike will talk about the free throws. At you know, It wasn't just that the three f- free throws that Jalen Miller gave up. The whole game, uh, Indiana shot 24 and Rutgers only shot 10. Um, so here's what Pike had to say about last night's free throw disparity. But we you know, obviously gave up too many points in transition. Obviously, uh, you know, I tell our guys all the time, you can't defend the foul line. So um, they got us by a huge number from, from the free throw line, you know, and that really was the difference. I mean, they 11 extra points they got at the free throw line. So you can't, you got to defend these guys without fouling them. Um, and that becomes, you know, a huge key, you know, in this game. It's just another way to score. When our defense was set, I felt pretty good about it, you know. But, uh, again, you can't defend the foul line. We got to defend without fouling. Yeah, and that's the problem because one of the best defenders without fouling on this team was Mawat Mag. And really, aside from the Northwestern game, he was such a strong defender and he wasn't getting into foul trouble. The trend with the Rutgers bench is that there's a lot of guys who are very haphazard with the fouling. Dean Reber, Antoine Wolfolk. Antoine Wolfolk especially. Yes. And Simpson too at times, Palmquist and Jalen Miller. All of them have had tendencies to pick up two, three fouls in a quick span. And now that Rutgers is going to be playing with a shorter rotation with much less depth at the four and the five, uh, they can't really afford that. So it's going to be a lot of experimentation going on. I also want to go back to Jack's point from a few minutes ago. I think defensive strategy might change against Paul Mulcahy because I feel like every game before this Indiana game, Mulcahy always had a six-inch pocket when he brought it up the court. The defender was not right in his face because Paul Mulcahy is a great passer, but he's usually not someone who's going to shoot the basketball, especially far from the basket. So defenses are usually willing to give him that room, back off, and instead watch the three-point shooters or watch Cliff down low. But this strategy, Mulcahy couldn't get to his spots like Jack said, and now he was sort of boxed in in a way, and... It forced Mulcahy to have to make some rash decisions, and it caused a couple of turnovers. So with just one less option now with Mawat Mag not being out there to get you six, eight points, uh, I I think this could play a factor here. But uh, someone else we can definitely talk about is Trace Jackson Davis and how he was just able to feast against Rutgers. We hinted that Amori struggled uh, with the rebounding, but uh, the Scarlet Knights at times – 
TJD was just dominant down low. And then when they focused attention on Trace Jackson Davis, you had guys like Miller Cop who were able to succeed they, from long range. They left Miller Cop wide open. Yep. Way too much. Yep. Like he's a great shooter, and I'm sure Pykel's kicking himself watching the film because he was four for six from three, and I guarantee you, like four or five of them were like wide open shots. Like well, you can't give a, you can't give a shooter like that open shots. Like it's it's simple basketball, and you know that kind of goes into your point, Eddie, of experimentation. Pykel's trying to experiment with his new lineups on what works best defensively. You know, not having your second best defender. And that's no slight to Mawat Mag. He's one of the best defenders in the Big Ten. He, he's just teammates with Caleb McConnell. But your second best te- second best defender on the team, guy is versatile. Mawat Mag, guard one through five, not on the court. You know, you have to experiment, and that means they played some matchup zone. They ran, ran some man. They ran some two three. You know, it it really there's a lot of missing ma- mixing and matching. I think Miller Cobb getting getting loose for all these shots is kind of the kind of the uh, side effect of that. Yeah, and if you really think about it, if Mawat Mag was out there, that probably would have been his man because you got Cliff on TJD, uh, McConnell on Jalen hood Shafino, and that probably would have worked out to Mawat Mag having to defend him. But Trace Jackson Davis had a huge game. Here's what Steve Peichel had to say on that. Uh, Miller Kopp has had his best performances versus Rutgers. What has been the challenge for your team when guarding him? Trace Jackson Davis. Miller Kopp. Yeah, but Trace Jackson Davis is the problem. So you got to double team him, and then the ball gets moved out. And you know he's the recipient of you know the good passing. I think Trace had six, seven assists. You know probably a lot of those were to Miller Cobb, and he's a really good shooter and a really good player. So uh, you know you have to pick your poison sometimes when you play you know post guy like that. Where's my thing? Rutgers got poisoned by both. The two of them combined for 38 points. No one else on the team had double digits. You had Jalen Huchifino with seven. They put up 66 points altogether. Two guys put up 38, just the two of them. First of all, the thing about Trace Jackson Davis is he is so entertaining to watch. I mean, we've seen him on TV hundreds of times, but Dylan, watching him in person, it stinks that he doesn't wear a Scarlet Knights jersey. He is so dominant down low, and he's also an athletic freak. What I think guys like that have passed with the Big Ten um, – you look at, like, Suzoko on, on Michigan State, Luca Garza, they aren't as athletic as a guy like Trace Jackson Davis. He runs the offense often from the corner of the, of the court. There, there were so many times last night where they'd be running an offense, they would try to get something set up, Trace Jackson Davis would be out in three-point land, palming the ball in one hand, surveying the offense, sees a wide-open Miller cop, and just chucks the ball to Miller cop. Miller cop either takes the shot and probably would hit it. If not, you have Trace Jackson Davis would run inside, and just have an easy one-handed dunk that will go in and light up the crowd. I mean, he 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 did everything with the two of them together. I just think Rutgers Rutgers tried to focus on shutting both of them down, and they couldn't focus all in on one, and that's why both of them went off. Yeah, and you know who his player comparison would be for me before uh, maybe a couple of years ago? Ben Simmons, you know? And I'm not going to say Ben Simmons now because he doesn't shoot. But Ben Simmons back in the day, you know, he would dunk, play good defense, get you rebounds, and get assists. And as you pointed out, he'd be able to kind of control the floor and make good passes. That's what he is, and he was dunking all over the floor last night. So for Peichel to say, pick your poison, you're right, Giddy. It seemed like they they got hit from both ends there. Um, whether they sold out on Jackson Davis, they kick out for Cop, he makes the three. And then whether they sold out for the three, they go down low to Jackson Davis, and he just dunks it over Amori or, or you know whoever else was down there. And so it looked like Rutgers never really had a solution for that. And... Um, for them to come up with 38 out of the team's 66 points, it just showed you that was Indiana's strategy, um, and they just got the better of Rutgers. Now, what I will say is, out of this whole thing, you know, we go to their house, we lose by six. They come to our house, they lose by, like, a million. So it's like, 
you know, I, I still think we're the better team, no doubt. I think if Mwap Mag plays, I think we win this game. Um, but, you know, you have to figure out a way to... It, it, uh, sooner or later, the Mwap Mag injury will no longer be an excuse. You know, if you view Paykel as a great coach, like everyone does, great coaches figure out ways to win despite bumps in the road along the way. Um, he's done it before. So eventually, and it, luckily for Rutgers, their schedule upcoming is in their favor. Nebraska at home is their next home game. Then they go out to Wisconsin, which Jack, you'll be there. But Wisconsin this year is not that great of a team, and we proved we can win in their building last year, and they were much better. Then you come back and play Michigan, and, and the list goes on and on. Um, so if you're Rutgers, if you can get this win against Illinois and then just finish strong, you know they're right where we kind of expected we knew this was going to be a tough game. Indiana was playing their is playing their best basketball all year right now, so we kind of caught them at a bad time. And the fact that we kept it this close, despite in our first game having not having Moat Mag on two days short rest, kind of trying to figure out how to game plan for that. And let's not like Indiana was twelve and one at home going into that game. They're a very good home team. They just they play much better at home. And for Rutgers, as you pointed out at the top, Giddy, to hold them to sixty six points, I felt like was a good job. Um, it was just the offense in the second half could not keep up. They only scored 25 points. Uh, and, and the big thing was the shooting. In the first half, it was dead, right? And then towards the tail end of the first half, they caught fire. Oscar Palmquist being the main guy for that, hit three straight three-pointers and brought Rutgers back. They were down 14 at one point. And then in the second half, um, like for instance, in the first half, Rutgers shot 6 for 11 from downtown. Second half, they shot 2 for 14. Um, you know, and especially when you were in, you were in striking distance for most of that second half down the stretch, you were within five, within four, within three, right? You have to hit those open shots and Rutgers was unable to come up with those shots. And sometimes they don't fall for you. Right. And you can't make them every single time. But the fact that that was the difference just, you know, doesn't, it shows me that we weren't totally outmatched. And that's with Trace Jackson Davis having one of his better games against us ever. And we were still within striking distance. So I'm not worried at all about this team. Yeah, D.A., to your point, that was – to your point, I mean, you hit a nail on the head. Indiana – we got Indiana in a bad spot right here. Um, you know, they are, came off of winning against the number one team in the country on their home floor. They get us. You know, the history's there with us. They haven't won since, you know, 2019 when I wasn't even in college. So, it, right. the, his, the history's there. And, you know, outside, even more important than them coming off and winning against number one team in the country was the fact that this was our first game without a key starter. Right. And I think that's the most important thing when we talk about getting getting us at a bad spot. And I think all things considered, considering this spot, Rutgers played pretty well. I mean, it I mean, I said it said at the start when I first talked about this game. I mean, the role players played well. Like, if anything, I would have thought the role players would have, you know, struggled in this game. Oscar Palmquist being thrust into thirteen minutes of action. He hasn't really played it all this year outside of Saturday at the Garden. Nine points, three for four from the field. Andre Hyatt, first game as a starter. He gives you nine points, gives you four rebounds, a little efficient from the field shooting, but pretty good. Like, I mean, for that's all you want. That's pretty good. Cam Spencer, he's been struggling, guys, recently. He had, he's been in a pretty big slump. Fourteen points, two for two from the line, of course. You know, five for eleven from the field. That's just about fifty percent, a little under fifty percent. Two for five from the field, two for five from three is forty percent. Like. I'll take that from Cam Spencer. Like, that's pretty good. Cliff Cliff did his thing, 15 points. We talked about the rebounds. That's pretty good. Derek Simpson, seven points. Like, these, the, the role players answer the bell in a road game. And, you know, that's, at the end of the day, it didn't, it didn't end up going in our favor because of just, you know, just the situation overwhelmed us. But looking over into the rest of the schedule, you guys 
briefly talked about this at Illinois, another really tough spot. I mean, Illinois is playing really well. They got a week off, still trying to figure out the Milwaukee Mag situation. If we can get our head straight and win this game right here and leave this week that we saw from the beginning of the season being a tough week like we when in september when the schedule came out and we saw at indiana at illinois we we're like oh geez like, right. this is gonna mm-hmm. be a tough this is gonna be a tough stretch we didn't know Mawat mag was gonna tear his acl the game before and we we're gonna lose a key starter so if we can get out of this week one and one i'm feeling really pretty good right now because after that as you mentioned da home versus nebraska at wisconsin who's not playing as well as you know people anticipated at the start of the season Home versus Michigan. Now, it is Michigan, but we're going to be at home, and that's also going to be the blackout game, too. So, just like it was last year with Illinois, I mean, that place is going to be rocking for sure. Um, At Penn State, you know, you could say, like, Penn State, we beat them last time, but, like, Penn – Bryce Jordan Center is like the cavern of doom, basically. We always struggle there, man. And uh, after that, we play in the second cavern of doom for Rutgers, which is at Minnesota. I don't care if Minnesota loses the IUPUI. Like, I'm still worried about that game. <laughs> so They're going to have some random like manager go off. For, <laughs> if, know, if, if, if someone, if someone comes up to me on the street and says, Jack, what was the most frustrating game of Rutgers basketball you have ever watched in your entire Rutgers career? It is at Minnesota last year. So yep. if, yes, we go into for, that build, sure. if we go into that for building... Sure. Anytime in the future, I don't care like if it's Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey and all those guys who are coming in the next couple of years and Minnesota still as bad as they are, I'm going to be worried about that game. And then we finish up against Northwestern, who's a team that's pro- probably got some revenge coming for us with the way that we uh, handled, handled business um, we went to their place in January. So it's, it's a favorable schedule, yes. But, yeah. you know, it's not a cakewalk, of course, because nothing's a cakewalk in the Big Ten. So... It's it's going to be a fun ride to the end of the season. It always is. It feels pretty good that we are not really just, like, hanging out for dear life in the NCAA tournament. Right, yeah. It's, like, the first time in, like, four years we could say that. I mean, every year we've made the NCAA tournament, it's been, like, life or death at the end of the season. Hopefully we can avoid that this yeah. year. Yeah, and the one other thing you mentioned about how the schedule is not going to be a cakewalk – Rutgers is in that in that position. A lot of the teams they're playing against are in that position, so they're going to be trying to be motivated to potentially pick up a quad one win when they're playing against Rutgers. So uh, I look at Michigan, Wisconsin. Those are two games, even Penn State to an extent as well. Those are three teams that are hanging on to the tournament bubble. Obviously, the Big Ten has had a tendency to get a lot of teams into March Madness the last couple of years. So that is those games are concerning to me, but. I talked about this last night. I feel like the two most important games remaining on the Rutgers schedule is the home game against Nebraska on the 14th and the trip to Minnesota. Because as we've seen with how the net rankings play out, what really matters to the committee and to the rankings is being able to beat struggling teams by a lot. And Rutgers has done that this year through non-conference play which they did not do that last year, which is why, even though they only have a slightly better record at this point than last season, because they took care of business against the mid-majors, their net ranking is so much better. And Minnesota and Nebraska, definitely the two worst teams in the Big Ten, uh, they've got to take care of business. They did it against Minnesota at home. They have to do it again at home against Nebraska. Remember last year, Nebraska gave them trouble when they went on the road to Lincoln. Uh, Rutgers only squeaked out, I believe, like a five-point win against them. And then we already alluded to what happened last time. They went to Minnesota. So, to me, those might actually be the two most important games because uh, 
it's really valued if you can beat those teams by a lot, whether you like it or not. So I feel like those are really going to matter. And in the end, if they can beat Illinois on Saturday, that would be nice so they don't have an 0-2 week. But if they lose, I don't think it's the end of the world. Again, Rutgers has built themselves quite a cushion, and they have a few statement wins already on the resume. And aside from Temple, uh, no really bad losses. Yeah, and then the question becomes, if they lose, now the focus is, well, where does Rutgers land in the standings when it comes to Big Ten tournament time? Because getting that double bye is crucial. Right now, it's a two-way tie between Indiana and Rutgers, 8-5 and five apiece, uh, tied for second. Uh, Purdue in clear first place. But then in third place, there's four teams tied. Uh, Illinois, Northwestern, Michigan, and Iowa. We've already lost to Iowa twice. It's about as Big Ten of a Big Ten standings as you're going to get. There you go. Yep. They're all tied at 7-5. and five. Three of those four teams we play in the upcoming schedule. So, um, including Illinois this week. The only time we play them so we don't get a second chance at them at home. Um, so, these are some big games coming up. Not even just for the tournament resume, um, but for their Big Ten tournament finish you know you want to get that double bye like you did last year it was nice to be able to wait until Friday to play um so you know if you can if you can get those two home wins versus Michigan and Northwestern which are very doable now you're sitting at 10 Big Ten wins and if you win those two gimme games like you talked about Nebraska and Minnesota now you're at 12 you can afford to lose to Illinois this Saturday but you got to take care of business and you got to take care of business at home too and you got to win the easy ones on the road um, and even Wisconsin is winnable. They're 13-9 and nine this year. So, um, it's a quad two game. Yeah, it'll get interesting down the stretch. You know, Rutgers likes to make things interesting no matter how good or bad they look. They like to make things close when it doesn't have to be. So it's going to be fun nonetheless this last month or so of Rutgers basketball. And I'm eager to see where they finish. The This upcoming stretch is huge for Rutgers and, as you mentioned, Eddie, teams fighting to kind of jump Rutgers and others ahead uh, because I think at this point Purdue will run away with the conference and go one seed. So the two seeds up for grabs. Everyone's one game behind, or in this case, half game. And I think with, yeah, like you were saying, this this game against Illinois starts that really tough stretch for Rutgers. Illinois has a really weird situation now with this game being postponed, with their Minnesota game being postponed. They're going to play four games in nine days, which is brutal at, at any level. Even the NBA, that that's, that's just tormenting right. your body. So it's going to be interesting to see how Illinois – manages their rotation because Rutgers is still playing a normal schedule Naka one they've had no COVID issues either with them or their opponents so far so Illinois is is going to have to do some kind of rotation management maybe limit some of their starters numbers because they have such a gauntlet coming up that could be a huge place where Rutgers who does have a shorter rotation now with Mawat Mag out this could be a big point for guys like Oscar Pomquist to get a little bit more comfortable, give them a little bit more playing time, because who knows what Illinois is going to throw out. Illinois might have to fall back on their role players and let their starting five rest, because they're going to go through so much over the next eight days after this game. You talked about gauntlet, too. Talk about, like, four games in nine days, but, you know, you look at the schedule for Illinois. You know, at Penn State, we just talked about Penn State and how their gym is very weird. At Indiana... Tough game, obviously, and you know just the rest of their schedule. You got home versus Northwestern at Ohio State. It's, I mean, Ohio State's not haven't really hasn't really played particularly well this year, but still a road Big Ten game. You finish out the season at Purdue, so they got some tough games coming up. And you know these this four game stretch in nine days is definitely not ideal for them. So, you know it's you know life in the Big Ten, man. Life in the Big Ten, it's never easy. Um, I think out of any year that I've watched Big Ten basketball, I've recognized it this year just how 
not easy it is to go out there and win every single de- every single game, every single night. I mean, Steve Peichel has talked about it at nauseum, and I think I'm just recognizing now because it's just it's a battle. It's a battle every single game uh, in this conference. Yeah, and last year, really, the epitome of that with Illinois, they split the season series. Illinois dominated Rutgers and Champaign in December. Then the Scarlet Knights, as Dylan mentioned, the blackout game last year, they crushed the Illini. But that's going to be a big one on Saturday. Uh, Dylan Allen and Dennis Geisler will have the call of that from Champaign. But six-point loss to Indiana, not the end of the world for Rutgers. They showed some fight after falling far behind early, and we'll close the segment with this. Steve Peichel calling this game a teaching moment. You have to. I mean, we were down 14 in this game. You know, they had the momentum, they had everything. We kept fighting. We fought the whole time. I mean, it's a one-possession game with three minutes left. But, again, you know, Jerry, I look at these things, and I just say, you know, like, um, the disparity there, you know, you cannot defend the foul line. So you can't put people on there, you know, and, and that's something we talk about and preach. You know, you got to defend without fouling. And we didn't do that today. And huge advantage to them, but, you know, give give Indiana credit. They got there. Trace Jackson Davis was a problem. You know, they made some plays. Uh, Miller made some big baskets for them, too, when it was kind of getting close. So, uh you know, give them credit, and it's a tough, tough environment. They're playing as well as anybody in the country. So, um, you, you know, uh, we got to battle back. So that was some of what Steve Peichel had to say. Locks of the Week here on a Wednesday edition of the WRSU Crew. Every Monday to Thursday, 6 to 8. Fridays, 4 to 6 with Gideon Fox, Dylan Allen, Jack Basea. I'm Eddie Kalegi. So last week my lock hit. I took the over in the Nets-Celtics game for points scored. Unfortunately, as a Nets fan, it was a 43-point loss for the Nets. And that ended up being the last time Kyrie Irving was seen in a Nets uniform. He is slated to make his Dallas Mavericks debut tonight against the Clippers in Los Angeles. Uh, he is His line is 27.5 points. Now, Luka Doncic is out. Maybe this is just me hating on Kyrie because he's gone, but I will go with the under for Kyrie Irving. I don't see him getting that many points. He He's going to crack 20. I think 28 is a lot, so I'm going to go with the under minus 110 on Kyrie Irving. Uh, he will not exceed 27 points tonight against the Clippers. Uh, Dylan, how about you? Do you got a lock? Uh, I'm still looking around, but I, I I I've been keeping track of my locks over the uh, the you? weeks here. Yeah, I have been. Uh, nice. and I think I am. Yeah, I think I missed one. I think I forgot to type one in. So I'm gonna say I'm two and zero. But I think I've made three picks. I don't know what the third one would have been. But so the first week I had West Virginia money line, whatever that hit. And then this past week, I took the under in Tennessee at Florida. Uh, Florida ended up winning the game outright. Tennessee was ranked number two, so that was a big upset. But the game went way under. I think Tennessee had like 53 points or something. So 2-0 on locks this year, so take that for what you will. Now what's interesting is this Celtics 76ers line continues to move. It opened up at minus 4.5. Now it's all the way down at minus 3.5 with the public on the 76ers, at least in terms of spread. Money line, it's, it's pretty much all on the Celtics. But it's interesting that the line, the spread, continues to move in favor of Boston. Now, maybe this is the book he's trying to get more money on Boston. I'm not sure, um, but I, I like. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Philadelphia plus plus the points here because sometimes when you look at that, and it's the 
the line moving in favor of the other team, it you know, like that, and with the majority of the bets on Philadelphia, I kind of like that spread. So I'm going to take Philadelphia plus the four and a half, three and a half, wherever you get it on your your sports books. I'm going to take the 76ers plus four and a half tonight against Boston. Up in Boston. Might be a hot take. Boston's the best team in the NBA. But I think Philadelphia covers. All right, Jack, how about you? So there's a pretty big uh, game going on on Sunday, if you don't know. Um, it's, I'm talking about the NJSI. Is IUPUI playing? I'm talking about the NJSI. Probably playing uh, Green Bay or something. High School Wrestling Championships, obviously. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, of course. Yeah, well, the, the other one's the Super Bowl, and I'm going to talk about that. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, huge game. A lot of storylines, a lot of bets that can be made. Super Bowl, most bet, uh, most bet game of the entire year. Um, and we're a sports though. So I'm going to talk about the halftime show. And we're going to talk about Rihanna, who is going to be doing the halftime show. I have these uh, these lines pulled up for what could be the first song of the sh- of the uh, halftime show. We have some we have some heavy hitters. We have Diamonds at plus two twenty. We have Don't Stop the Music at plus two forty five. We Found Love at three plus three fifty. Lift Me Up at plus four thirty. All the way down, Umbrella plus six forty five. Work plus eight hundred. The lowest odds are. Very naughty word I can't say on radio. Better have my money. So um, at fi- at plus fifteen hundred. So I'm gonna make my bet on the uh, on the first halftime show. It's gonna be a massive wild card that's not on this list. But I also want to open the floor to you guys on what show on what song you guys think will be it. Um, I will say first I watched a TikTok on this last night on trying to guess the first song of the halftime show. And one thing that's important that I remember from that video is that the beat of the song has to be instantly recognizable instantly recognizable so if you play diamonds or we found love you'll automatically know that that's that song it's a good way to have a good halftime show and start it off with a bang um with that said my first song guess and this is gonna be uh this is gonna be one this is gonna be one that probably won't be it because of the person who was also in the song all of the lights that's my <laughs> guess it's gonna be it's gonna be it's it's a fantastic song um it's quite the bet though it's it's a very popular song and it's a fantastic song it's quite the bet though due to uh due to kanye so is there like recently, a, can you bet the other like is there a there's no the, other there's there no, is no other. other okay but i'm just making that bet that it's going to be all the lights okay. what, do you, what do you guys think uh, it, to me it's between two songs diamonds okay. seems to fit and your exact logic uh it's a very recognizable mm-hmm. song and it's if probably I, if, if i had to pick from the list i'd probably say we found love I'd pick from the list. I'm umbrella. I'd go with either Diamonds or Lift Me Up. I could see something with Lift Me Up and she just emerges from somewhere like the top of the stadium (laughs) or from underneath the stage. Yeah. Her her emerging from underneath the stage while Lift Me Up is playing that. (laughs) I could see something like that happen. How about Please Don't Stop the Music? Are you kidding me? The middle of the most watched board event all year. That gets the crowd going. Plus 240. That feels like a middle of the performance song. Pull up We Found Love on Pull Up We Found Love on YouTube. You're telling me that this that beat is not instantly recognizable. It's instantly recognizable. Like, come on, Eddie. What was the song you said, Giddy? Please don't uh Yeah, and then that one's like and you know the words too. You know the words too. You could you could sing along. You could. I mean, I think that's why it's plus two forty. I sing along to We Found Love. It's there's a good I'd chance. I sing along to We Found Love. Absolutely, there's a good chance. Yeah, I guess We Found. Yeah, she does have like a, a vast array. So you're telling oh me yeah, that that's instant. Iconic. That's what I'm saying. Like you instantly instant. know. Instant. So what are the odds on that song? Um, is that the favorite? No, Diamonds is the favorite. We Found Love is at plus three fifty. Wow. That's a sneaky bet. Okay. That's a very sneaky bet. All right, you know what? I'm changing it from all the lights because all the lights is not going <laughs> to happen. It's not going to happen thanks to 
Thanks to Mr. <laughs> it's, West. It's technically a Kanye song anyway. It, it is a Kanye song. That's that's why it's a, it's a sneaky bet. But We Found Love is plus 350, and I'm going to take that. So take it to the bank. Everyone in the WSU group me will be thinking I'm Nostradamus by the time. I like that, Jack. 7.30, <laughs> 8 o'clock on Sunday night rolls around. And lastly, Giddy, how about you? Well, that is a very hard bet to follow. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with tonight. There are two NHL games. For some reason, they don't start until 8 o'clock, even though one of them is the Rangers. And they're not even on national television. Like, they're just on ESPN+, Plus, MSG yeah, Network, like just a regular hockey game. But anyways, they are playing the Vancouver Canucks, who are in town. They just played a really – the Canucks played a really, really tight game against the New Jersey Devils on Monday night. Vancouver stormed back after letting up three goals in 50 seconds, lost an OT. So that's why I'm avoiding – I mean, avoid the money line, um, unless you want to put a little bit on the Canucks. All the, all the, the money's on the Rangers. Um, and there's As no it should value. Be. Yeah, should absolutely. Be. I mean, on paper, it, it makes too much sense. Um, but that's also why I'm avoiding Rangers minus one and a half. The Canucks hung with the New Jersey Devils, who are a fantastic team. The Canucks are kind of hard to predict. But I'm going to go with the under. It's at six and a half in this game at pretty much even odds. Uh, pretty much everywhere it's minus 110. You have Igor Sesterkin for the, for the Rangers, who let up four goals. Uh, last time out against the Flames. He doesn't do that often. I can't see him doing that two nights in a row, especially with his home crowd and at prime time on a Tuesday night where there's not much other hockey going on. And the only other game is at 8.30, and that's a Midwest game. Um, on the other side, you have the Canucks, who don't have great defense, don't have great goaltending. So I, I expect their Rangers to easily win this one. I could see like a 3-1 to one finish, um, but I just don't see the Canucks scoring at all. And I don't think the Rangers possess the scoring capabilities to put up four or five on their own. I don't think the Canucks have possessed the scoring abilities to put up more than two or three. So I expect a 3-1, to 4-1 to one victory for the Rangers. Um, well, well, well under 6.5. Right. Okay. Um, wow, you both clicked the on button at the same yeah, time there. I know. That's that, it's 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 kind of it's kind of sneaky to be honest with you. This is this is incredible. Like the amount of the amount of things that I could I could bet on the halftime show right now is is worrying. What me. else is there to bet? Well, let's see. What the second Starting, song is? The, <laughs> so we got the first song, the last song. Okay. How many songs will be played over or under nine and a half? Under. Under what? What How color? What Gosh, color will Rihanna's first outfit be? The leader is black at plus one twenty-five. What's white? White is plus six hundred. Plus six hundred. It's gonna be. It's gonna be white. Yeah. Why do you say that? What Kitty? will be the color? Of that Rihanna's stands hair? out. Come on. If it's Eddie's idea of her emerging out of the stage, <laughs> it stands yeah. out. You're on a. It's gonna be dark, right? They always turn off the lights. A bright white dress, with. Don't stop the music, or or we found love playing, or or, or, or rise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of the lights with a white dress. Come on, I mean, it just makes, well, it makes well, so much sense. All I know what? is that it can't be red or green, or else you'll have the one of the fan bases up yes. in arms. Oh, true. <laughs> the color of Rihanna's hair, overwhelmingly black, is the favorite at nine to six hundred. Blonde plus five hundred, orange is plus eighteen hundred. So hedge your bets. I gotta ride that for for the gang for the squad right there. <laughs> Guest appearances. By the way, shout out Sporting News for putting this all together. Joe Rivera did not write this article, but shout out Joe Rivera and Sporting News for putting this yes, together. Uh, guest appearances during the halftime show. Jay Z minus two fifty at the favorite. Drake minus two hundred. Kanye West is plus four hundred odds to be in there. Greater than uh, Pharrell Williams at plus six hundred. That's too controversial. I don't Kanye think she is would not do that. showing up. To yeah. Miscellaneous special halftime show novelty props. ASAP Rocky appear on stage is the favorite at plus three hundred. Uh, Rihanna to open an umbrella is plus two seventy five. Okay, <laughs> you guys want to hear? You guys want to hear the longest odds on miscellaneous special halftime novelty props? Yes. 
Rihanna to propose marriage to ASAP Rocky <laughs> <laughs> at plus 2,500 odds. Wow. I might sprinkle. I might sprinkle a little bit. <laughs> that would be crazy. And the white Rihanna dress, to announce the white dress. dress. Oh, it, white it, dress. it makes too much yeah. sense. It, it makes up. so much sense. This is going to be the craziest part of life ever. After the proposal, they go back in the thing, and at the end, they descend beneath the stage. The <laughs> with with the umbrella that yes. she had already opened up. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my parlay, goodness. This parlay. is the craziest part of life. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. A wardrobe malfunction, plus 500. Happens one time. And it gets Rihanna plus to trip and fall over, plus 1,600. Oh, my goodness, man. I can't wait for this halftime show now. I don't think I've ever said that before, but <laughs> all these all these bets. Oh, man. Um, Last year's did go pretty hard, so. What was that? Oh, it was uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg, right? Snoop and Dr. Dre, yeah. There was someone, and it was in California too, which yeah. like this. There's I don't know how, but how could that be in Arizona? Yeah, so which is like Kyler neutral. Murray makes an appearance. He's playing COD. What's the odds? <laughs> there are no odds. There, Kyler Murray is not listed as a guest before. I don't think he wants to be in that stadium any longer than he has to. <laughs> He's sending Cliff me to Champagne this weekend. Yeah. He's the reason why I, I will He'll not be, be I will not be home for the Super Bowl. He'll be <laughs> in Indianapolis watching IUPUI. <laughs> I hate on him. I'm never drafting him ever again. I I dislike Kyler Murray now. He sold my season. He'll be. He might be in Indianapolis watching IUPUI play their next matchup um, against Northern Kentucky on Sunday. So that's big. What time is that? <laughs> One o'clock. Oh, that's perfect. It, that ends and it gives you a couple of minutes to look, a couple hours to go. I'll get some look, food your pre-Super Bowl, Bowl viewership is either IUPUI <laughs> versus Northern Kentucky or the NJSIAA. Uh, high school wrestling championships, which I will be at at Jersey Mike's Arena. So. I saw that IUPUI dunk when they won a conference game a sick. few days ago. Yeah, that, that was insane. Sick. That could have been the greatest dunk of the season. That's Gibby's yeah. favorite player now. <laughs> D- <laughs> we <were> in, <laughs> the last two days, DA and I were looking everywhere for IUPUI merch. I saw one person <laughs> walking around the Memorial Union on uh, IU's campus wearing an IUPUI sweatshirt. Oh, it was awesome. There's got to be something out there. There's nothing at the airport. They just had a bunch of in the Indianapolis the airport. Did you fly in Indy? Indy. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting airport. How do you not have IUPUI merch it's at It's your city's at university. Did you Come ask on. anyone? No, we looked in a bunch it of was, shops. It was eight thirty in the morning. We're not going to be like, "Hey, man, you have any IUPUI?" <laughs> how sweatshirts? many times are you going to be actually? That how many times left are you going to be in Indianapolis International Airport? It's probably limited in numbers. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> right. they have an Indiana look, Pacers. Look, I'll do it for you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. IUPUI, IUPUI <laughs> merchandise. Come on, who's having the better season this year? I know. <laughs> who's going to have more here. highlights? That was a big win for them over the weekend. Look, there's a women's crew neck for fifty-eight dollars. Okay, I don't have fifty-eight dollars, and I'm not a woman, so those are two red flags immediately. <laughs> Men's Coliseum Cardinal IUPUI Jaguars Arch Over Logo Pulley Pullover Sweat. They tell you everything about this man. Twenty-nine ninety-nine. Well, if, if Rihanna does everything we suspect, <laughs> I'm buying IUPUI shirts for. Hey, all if, if, if ASAP Rocky proposes to her on stage, Giddy might be flying back out there to go visit IUPUI's campus. So. I, I, yeah, yeah, potentially, <laughs> probably, yeah. Rihanna, you know what to do. <laughs> yeah, when me and Alec were there, they, they had all the Indiana and Purdue merch, and then when we were flying out, there were so many Seton Hall fans on the flight because it was the same day that Seton Hall was playing Butler. Uh, so okay. a bunch of people were flying out to Indy that day. Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. It was. Where is Butler in Indiana? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I um, look, that's why I got Google. Yes, that is, that is what Google is for. Oh, they're actually they're in Indianapolis. Okay. Oh, good to know. Convenient. And there was no Butler merch, Giddy. True. What's up with that? It How, was just the Big Ten schools. They're in Indianapolis, and there's no Butler merch. 
merchandise in the in the airport you know, stores. Yeah. What? Speaking about Indiana, and it's a re- everybody knows that they it's, don't it's respect like the Big East. School. What a shame. <laughs> Speaking about Indiana, I heard that Mark Cuban like financed like a whole new like media area. Yeah, we walked past it. It's beautiful. First of all, wait, you weren't in there. We were. What? It's like it's like underneath. It's like it, it seems like the studios oh. for everything. So like, there's nobody using it because everybody was in their spots for the game. Um, but you walk past it. It's brand new MacBooks. Uh, wow. Cameras, extra equipment. There were wires all what around. What was that in there? I didn't. It was that. It was, and there was like, it was like a bunch of different offices, and it was during the game, so we weren't, and we had to hike up to our seats, um, so yeah. we weren't going to spend too much time in there. But it was really, really nice, and all around. I mean, that arena was something else. Yeah, it, but what was it down there that worked? It was the media center. What does assembly look gotcha. like from like outside? A whale. Yes. A whale. It's really yes. weird looking. Yeah. A, yeah. We drove over there the first night we were there. Uh, we were just driving around outside because it was after, it was when the men's game was going on. Uh, Alec was curious. We looked for tickets. Three hundred dollars was the cheapest ticket to get in there. So, jeez, we, for the women's game? Uh, no, for the men's game. Oh, it looks like a, the game when Bryce Sensible almost got crushed by the scoreboard. It looks like a football <laughs> stadium. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. very. They, weird. they don't play football in that state, so <laughs> it's like it has to be basketball. <laughs> it's like have you ever seen like Cameron Indoor from outside? It looks like a church. Cameron Indoor from the outdoor. Yeah, Cameron, Cameron Indoor outdoor from the outdoor. <laughs> <laughs> the indoor of Cameron Outdoor. <laughs> All right, so I did some quick math, and if you were to make a Super Bowl halftime parlay, that oh, includes. Um, let's go back all the way to the top, and I think these are facts we all or, or bets we all agree on. Uh, first song, "Lift Me Up." Yep. Right, we all we all think it would be "Lift Me Up." No, we found love. She is That's going to get lifted. Let's, just, let's just stay with the story that oh. they go to. We lift up and she we, we, we crafted the story. Steph Rocky. Another it's all one, a story. Another one is miscellaneous special halftime show. Rihanna announces that she's pregnant. Plus eight hundred. Oh, nah. In I the think middle it's, of the show. That's what it says. I doubt That's that not going to work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I doubt that'll happen. Shine bright like a diamond. By the way, I'm pregnant. <laughs> 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 um, we have lift me up. As the first leg. Okay. Under nine and a half songs played during the halftime show. Yeah, nine seems like a lot. Yeah. You figure three minutes a song? I mean, do they yeah. play the full song, though? Not really. It's usually like a mashup. See, that's it. Okay, so that's it. But that's the concerning thing. What is a song? Right. Is no, a song it, 30 seconds a of song, a track? A song is if they play a new song. Like, if they play 30 seconds of each song, that'll count as a song. Yeah. Because it's a different. So you, you have to be careful because if they go a minute each song and they end up doing like 15 songs. Minute each, they get fifteen minutes. It could get tricky. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I just think I doubt they do the full thing. It's From what many, I remember, though. two years ago, the weekend—that's the last solo performer. He did mm-hmm. a lot of songs. Uh, last yeah. year was different because there were so many different people, and they each did like a song. But I don't know. Uh, to me, nine and a half still seems too high. I'm with you on this one, Eddie. So we're gonna take that at minus one oh five. Color of her first outfit. We're gonna go white. <laughs> um, we're gonna skip hair. I think that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm um, we're that. avoiding special guest. Um, special halftime show, novelty prop, whatever. Um, proposed marriage to ASAP Rocky. Yeah, put that in there. Yeah, I believe. Okay, that's the end of it. A four-leg parlay with odds of plus 430, minus 105, plus 600, plus 2,500. You combine that all together. <laughs> it's 100,000. It's 188,000 plus 188,000. Lock it in. Lock it in. I mean, that's that's. that's Could all. that be our collective You'll be lock able, of the week? Yeah. Yeah. Right, you'll cool, be able cool. to you'll be able to buy IUPUI with that money. <laughs> <laughs> Give an NIL deal to all the guys on that team. You could make that place a perennial powerhouse. I don't know if they want to be a perennial powerhouse. <laughs> I think they like riding in the basement of the Horizon League. 
<laughs> Being two scraping by against Green Bay, <laughs> Chicago State, <laughs> playing at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. That was, that was standalone awesome. game. That was awesome. What's better than like eating breakfast? Standalone game. Yeah, literally. That because was... there's nothing else on TV. It's just like <laughs> first take, like a rerun of Sports Center from three hours ago, and IUPUI basketball. Don't forget Undisputed. Oh, okay, fine. And Undisputed. <laughs> I very much did forget about Undisputed because I was busy watching basketball <laughs> and eating my breakfast. That was that was IUPUI's first yeah. Horizon win of the year, too, by the way. I, I think I found their, their secret to success. <laughs> Get ready for March. But I also, that's like 10 a.m. local time. That was, about that. The that's other thing I do not understand time. with that was they build that game as high school appreciation day. <laughs> so how does that work? <laughs> Wait, high you find that just, out? Uh, co- college basketball sickos. They listed it as the sickos game of the week because it was Groundhog Day, 10 a.m., and it was high school appreciation day. And then everybody in the replies was like, how, what does that mean? They're so high schoolers are just man. skipping their morning classes to go watch IUPUI basketball? Giddy, that was their first win uh, since December 20th. How many, how many boys that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dude, Yo. look how many red L's there are. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's because they're not playing at 11 a.m., which is 10 a.m. local time. Like, Listen, yeah, I think it's... And I, the high school... I didn't know the high school appreciation thing. That's golden. That is <laughs> I think it's, absolutely I think it's golden. also time for my weekly checkup on my favorite ba- mid-major basketball team, Mississippi University for Women Men's Basketball. Are they mid-major or are they JUCO? <laughs> Oh, no. Which is its own special. They're not high major, I'll tell you that. They're 9 and 12. Oh, they haven't played a conference game yet, so that's that. Um, what? It's it's February. It's February. Do they not have a conference? <laughs> independent? <laughs> they're, maybe they're independent, yeah. I don't know, but they're 9 and 12, and they're 0-0 in conference. So, and their last game was last Wednesday, and they lost to Bellhaven. So, oh, but Bellhaven has that oh, speedy wait, point Oh, wait, it's card. senior day, though. It's senior day on Saturday. Oh, so they're done. They're wrapping up their home slate. Yeah, I don't see any high school appreciation days around here. They had a lot of road games. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you that's like if you played in. The that's Missouri like Valley. six road games in a row. Wow. So, I mean, they do play in a YMCA, so I can't. <laughs> I can't blame them. But <laughs> the differences between the WRSU basketball team and Jack's favorite JUCO team are, are differences. All right, are very I'm figuring few. this out. Are they JUCO or not? This is that could be a fun. That could be a game show or a Jeopardy category. <laughs> Juco <laughs> or not? <laughs> it's like an olive. It's like an uh, olive branch on trivia night. Like yeah, it's 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 Juco or not? Juco or Juco? Juco or mid major? No, I guess mid majors are kind of. They're in the Southeast out. Conference, Southeastern Conference. That'd be cool. A conference trivia, like what what level does the conference fall in? Yeah. Or do you say Missouri Valley mid major, Southeast? Whatever that conference. Are they in was. the Southeast Conference? No, no. Wait, that's the SEC. <laughs> what is this? I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, they're probably giving you Ole Miss. Ole Miss. They're no. giving you Ole Miss. No, why am I? No. Google doesn't understand my search of Mississippi University for women basketball. They're just Men's giving basketball. me Ole Miss. They're thinking Ole Miss women's <laughs> oh basketball. Oh, my God. I just, I just mistake I, the Southeastern. I should have known that. Wait, so that's, what, like, it's wait, ca- wait, so that's what it's called, <laughs> Mississippi University for women's basketball? So it's a university specifically it's, for it's, women's basketball? It's Mississippi basketball? University for women men's basketball. <laughs> 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 oh, where oh, is where? I can't find this. Like the the name is too deceiving for Google to for me to figure this out. I mean, either way, do Juco <laughs> or not? D three. Oh, what? D3. Oh man. So, That's what's their problem. conference? I don't know. Division three conferences, man. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't tell you. Nope. 
No clue. I wonder if John Rothstein knows this is D3 conferences. <laughs> I think he knows 363 basketball teams. It doesn't have brain capacity for any more. <laughs> like, he could tell you LIU's, like, starting five. But, like, that's it. It spreads. It spreads. Standalone <laughs> game. Standalone game, man. <laughs>